What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Forgotten Outdoors podcast. Super excited to be here today. We have Dax Harris uh, on with us on the podcast. Dax is my brother-in-law, good friend of ours. Um, so yeah, we're, we're going to dive into some of his outdoor interests, some of his passions that way. Uh, kind of going to be talking about a lot of the photography uh, that he does in the outdoors. Also, he's a geology major, which we've had a lot of conversations about. So we'll, we'll probably dive into that. We'll probably get way off track today. That usually happens. Yes. But Thomas will re- reel us back in <laughs> like he so lovingly does <laughs> usually. So this episode actually has some point to it. Um, so yeah, I guess jumping into that, Dax, tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of like where you grew up um, and maybe kind of weave it into how you got started with photography. Cool. Yeah. Um, I was born in Sugar City. Uh, it's a tiny town in Idaho, about a thousand people. Uh, my dad was born there. My grandpa lived there his whole life. So we've been there a while. Hometown heroes. Mm, exactly. <laughs> yeah. We all grew up in Sugar City. Yes. We all went to the same high school. Yeah, it's it, when you're in high school, it's kind of like, man, this is a dump. This is a dumpy little town. Like, I want to go out and experience things and, and see the world. But then, I don't know, for me personally, I know that I'm already sidetracked. Yes. But for me personally, like, I, I go out and I did travel a lot and see a bunch of things. I'm like, man, Sugar City's kind of awesome. Yeah. Like, the area that we're in is close to so many really cool things. Yeah, and especially for especially for outdoor stuff. Yeah. Um, I think that it offers a unique um, combination of environments that you, you get to go and explore. So yeah, yeah, I'm just excited for this podcast to have a really wide variety of opinions and everything because we all grew up in the same place. Mm-hmm. We all like have the exact same experience. So I'm sure this podcast. Yeah, it's it's gonna be a bunch of um, the same opinions this entire episode. No. <laughs> so after I disrailed you there, Dak. So yeah, growing up in Sugar City. Yeah. So uh, I graduated from high school and then just uh, had basically nothing to do. I didn't want to do like what everybody else in my town does. So I was like, I'm just gonna figure out my own way. And so I. Worked at a potato warehouse, just kind of was a delinquent, and then I started picking up uh, photography because there was just so much beautiful stuff to see. I wanted to share that, so I started taking photos with just an old iPhone, and then it went from that to taking photos with like a a better camera. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just exciting to see the variety in our area because it was like I could go thirty minutes. Uh, to the east and just see like uh, mountains and and forest 30 minutes to the west and I'd be in the middle of a desert and like Mm -hmm. lava flows ancient (laughs) lava flows and then I'd go 30 minutes to the to the south and I'd be in a city in Idaho Falls and then I'd go 30 minutes to an hour north and be in uh, Montana and so just like that big like Yellowstone Yeah. yeah like not just like Montana but like West Yellowstone, Yellowstone, the National Park. Primo yeah. for photography. Yeah, so it was awesome just to, just uh, getting started that way and then um, really diving deep into photography uh, was awesome and was um, I was encouraged in that because I would post my photos on Instagram. Mm-hmm. People would be like, whoa, this is awesome. And uh, 
it was interesting because it was all people who lived nearby. But yeah. I'd have people ask, like, where is that? Yeah. And it was like, oh, you only have to go 20 15 minutes, minutes yeah. away from your house and you can be there. Right. And so just not only letting the world see how beautiful Idaho is, but even people who have been here their whole lives. It's like photography was a really awesome way to open up instead of turning down this road that everybody always goes down instead turn off this dirt road and then go down there 15 minutes and that was i i drove i put so both of my brothers drove this same ford ranger it was like a white ford the ranger. white truck yeah the white it, truck to, to sidebar us again here in high school growing up um when dax was dating my sister we'd always refer to him as the white truck <laughs> Oh, well, I guess the white truck is here again to go pick Lily up and take her out. The scariest drive was down. Speaking of dirt roads. <laughs> the the Barris' driveway? Barris' driveway was the longest dirt road I ever drove down. Like, seeing your dad up in that window, I was like, <laughs> try to spin a cookie out of that thing and get out of there as quick Run as possible. Run driveway up so he can hate you more. Yeah, I was going to say, that was, uh, I remember I would peel out because I had a little little honda civic stick shift and i used to just punch it out of there and i'd spin the wheels and then <laughs> next next day at school or whatever ben would be like hey thanks for running the driveway my dad's pissed <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I got the rake out yesterday tom and uh fixed your track marks in my driveway uh, yep yeah. i got the rake talking to uh, a few <laughs> weeks ago it was like spun out on my way out showing off to the to the little boys out there <laughs> look how cool i am i can burn out but then your dad sees me and he's like so, so are you gonna rake those <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you're gonna clean my driveway out there Dad? oh man so i guess back to the photography so um you said you kind of started out with just an iphone mm-hmm. um if you were to recommend to somebody who's like interested in it what would you recommend as a just a good starting setup? Like this will at least get you to enjoy outdoor photography and take quality pictures. Mm -hmm. Yeah, honestly, an iPhone was a super good way to start because you, it's kind of expensive to get into it if right. you want to. And even my setup isn't what's recommended for outdoor photography. Mm. I kind of have a, I really enjoy the perspective of the human eye and the human eye is like a 50 millimeter is kind of an equivalent to the human eye. That's the lens, uh, focal length. Okay. okay. And so, um, I really, I really enjoy that look. And so I, hmm. most people will shoot with like a 18 millimeter or something really wide angle, get a really wide perspective of a landscape. But I like to, to focus in on something. So I treat landscape photography and especially recently because I have done a lot of portraiture. Mm -hmm. So I treat landscape photography like a portrait, a portrait of a landscape. Gotcha. And so I'll, I'll oftentimes like have a vertical orientation to my photos where I put a, a cliff face as though it were a human face and put it through the trees. And I, I really enjoy making, almost personifying uh, landscapes. landscapes. Yeah. And so uh, I don't know if I'm a good uh, person to ask what, what um, equipment I recommend. I have kind of a starting DSLR. It's a 
cropped sensor frame so it's not like a full frame sensor or anything like that um and then i just use a 50 millimeter most of the time that's pretty which cool, is though. a prime lens and it's got a really wide aperture which makes it so that your depth of field is really small so you can get that really blurred look on things in the foreground and things in the background so yeah, yeah and and hearing dax talk about his photography and you know uh, he's using basic equipment and everything. We'll have to link some of his pictures in the bio here because yeah. he does awesome work. We actually in our studio here have one of his pictures hanging on the wall. It's like our our key piece right there. Some some trees. So so yeah, that that's that's cool to hear you say that you don't need extremely expensive equipment, I guess, to start out. And, and I've kind of had that thought because you see, I don't know, with the camera quality on some of the iPhones now, it's, it's kind crazy. of like incredible. And I think that. More than anything, it's, you know, the subject that you're shooting is so beautiful and it's just capturing that and, I don't know, being artistic with it what, rather than just relying on high quality or expensive gear. Mm -hmm. well, well, and I think for any, like any of our followers, um, I would say 95% of our Instagram photos are just from a cell phone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean... I guess that that kind of I does that does put perspective out there, but um, I guess and a follow up question would be how much time do you spend editing, like post photos, like you're done taking the pictures, or do you feel like the camera that you're using captures enough color, captures enough quality to where you don't have to spend that much time editing? Yeah, that is something nice about having a good camera is that when you're able to manipulate the settings in there, right. you, you don't have to spend as much time editing. Like that photo that you have on the wall, I spent a lot of time editing that one because I was new to it, had to change the exposure, oh, gotcha. change the whites, everything like that. But uh, now it's like, recently I went out to Hebgen Lake, took some photos, it's over by Yellowstone. It's like one of your favorite places on earth, right? Yeah, yeah <laughs> seriously. There was like an earthquake there in 1959. And so the landscape is just like wrecked. It got it's wrecked. Eerie. Yeah. yeah. And so the the entire lake shifted. I don't know how many feet or whatever it was, but there's still remnants of old trees sticking out of the lake. And it's just like a skeletal, weird, it just is indicative of the destruction and the death that happened there. Because it was like middle of August at a campsite. There were there there's a story of some kids in one tent and the parents in another and the kids woke up after the earthquake and the tent that had their parents in it had just like this 10,000 pound boulder or something like that <laughs> that had crazy. just landed there and it's just Is that just, like real? Or yeah. Is that like a ghost story? No, that's real. They, oh there's God. a museum up there and it's just like filled with stories like that. Terrifying. That's crazy. I didn't even know that. No, like I, we I, I don't even know where early. this lake is, though. Uh, it's yeah, it's, I've never been there. We'll have to go there sometime. We'll have to fish it because it's really good fishing up there. Yeah, but I recommend anytime anyone goes from uh, like the west side of Yellowstone over east towards Yellowstone, I never recommend like go through the route that Google Maps tells you. I always say take forty-five extra yeah. minutes, go around Hebgen, because it's the most beautiful. Yeah, it's place. up kind of by Henry's Lake. Oh, okay. Just okay. on the other side of the border. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it's so sick. It's like, I I was, that was kind of a major spot that spiked, that spurred my interest in everything outdoors. Yeah. Because there was just a feeling about that place. Every time I go, it's just like, that place draws me. 
Yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of weird how I initially found it too, because I'd never really heard about it as a kid. It's like right. you go to Yellowstone, you don't go to Hebgen. But uh, I was flying a Google Flight Simulator. You know how Google Earth has like a flight simulator thing? No. Oh, well. Well, I'll look it up after this. Yeah. Point. It's yeah I'll just say, let's not give oh, Ben an opportunity Ben here. derailing it for the third time. No, tell me about, what's a computer? <laughs> for our listeners, Ben um, is an old man when it comes to technology. Yeah, no. Anyway, no, that, flight simulator. Yeah, so I was flying like a fake airplane through the, like, around Idaho, Montana area. And I crashed an airplane at this place called Potomageton Park. <laughs> really weird. And it was like in the middle of the mountains, there's this place called Potomageton Park. So I went to bed that night and I was like, I'm just going to go there tomorrow. This was kind of a common theme at this point. I was like a <laughs> delinquent 18 year old. I would call sick into work like three times a week. <laughs> So, well, you were working at a potato warehouse. Yeah. Can you blame yourself? Exactly. <laughs> Which like, means you were probably inhaling enough stuff that you could realistically be sick three times a week. <laughs> yeah, no yeah. joke. You're like, oh, yeah, that happens to <laughs> That's everybody. Like. Everybody here gets sick that much. No, but then I, uh, I just drove out there, and it was like this, this forest service road that went out to the Potomageton Park was just trail heads of like 15 different trails that went up into and it was so weird because it was like once I got into that valley it was just a different feeling it just was so there was like a spirit about that place that was different than anywhere else I'd ever been so I just like went back there every other sick day I had for the next three (laughs) weeks and, (laughs) and at this point I was driving a I'd stopped driving the white truck and I'd got a 1973 Mercedes. Oh, I remember that. So it was yeah. like a little two-door uh, V8 uh, rusted out. It was like a unibody frame. So <laughs> the frame and the body were all in the same thing, all welded together, and the frame was just rusted out. It had been somewhere terrible. <laughs> but I got it for like a 1000 bucks. So I drove that everywhere. It got like three miles to the gallon. <laughs> And I was only putting premium. I thought, like, I have a sports car. I'm only putting premium fuel in this. <laughs> you put on your, like, riding gloves. Yeah, your, your black leather driving gloves. Yeah. Like getting your rusted piece of crap. <laughs> and then I would go out, and I'd go on the nastiest trail. One of the funniest experiences I had while out there was there was this, like, four-wheeler trail. Super terrible ruts. And I was taking this Mercedes up <laughs> It was raining all day, so it was just slick mud. And so I get up it all right, and then I realize I can't get beyond this because I'm going to get like, I'm going to get high centered on these rocks that are here. So I flip around, barely make it out of there. There's like a Ford F-350 going up. They see me. I can't imagine what they were thinking about me. <laughs> but, but then I just... I start going down this hill and it's been raining. So it's like slick mud. And so no anti-lock brakes. So my brakes lock up and I'm riding these ruts down the hill. (laughs) In this heavy hunk of metal. (laughs) It's like the most terrifying experience of my life. But then I got out of there and then never went back to that trail in that car. But (laughs) yeah, so it's, it's kind of, 
that's the kind of stuff that drew me to the outdoors was just the adventure of seeing something new. Yeah. There's, and there's always something new to see. Yeah. Because there's always another dirt road that you can go go down. Yeah, especially in an area like this. It's so cool. There's so much. Like, Thomas, we've been a lot of different places in the yeah, area. and we barely touched it. And you <laughs> didn't even know about Hebkin. No. I mean, that's just an example. Like, another example is this last year, um, I went cow elk hunting with my dad. And we just wanted to go and explore a new place. And we got some elk tag and we found, it's called the Bishimaroi Valley. Um, and we'd never been there, never even heard of it. And this place is incredible. The last time we went up, we saw like three different herds of, you know, 200 plus elk. I mean, it's, it's an incredible place up there. We saw hundreds of mule deer, hundreds of antelope. And it was like, you know, a couple hours away and never even heard of the place. Yeah. Like there's so much out there if you're, if you have that sense of adventure and you're willing to, to go and explore it. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, hunting and fishing both have taken me to new places all the time. Yeah. Because depending on who you're talking to, I mean, one person's like, oh, my favorite place to fish is here. And you're like, I have never fished that in my life. I've never even heard of it. Um, and so I think, I think that's really cool. Just the idea of looking for the unexplored. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That sense of adventure. And yeah, it's a good excuse when you have a camera in your hand. Yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing it for photography, but you're really just exploring and mm-hmm. then documenting it and sharing those adventures with other people. That's cool. Yeah. That is really cool. Yeah. Really getting people inspired to see it too. Yeah. Where I, people would ask, like, that photo you got on your wall was just a logging road yeah. that I went down. And it was it was like beautiful huge huge pines that were lining this road mm-hmm. and so it was it just helped people to see that they don't they don't have to go far yeah. to see that kind of stuff and yeah it was that's awesome so i guess kind of transitioning a little bit um with the photography thing so you do a lot of like wedding photography you do a lot of, you know, senior photos, portrait photography, that kind of style. And in my mind, when I think about, you know, wedding photography, senior pictures, it's like they're either going for an urban vibe or they're going for a wilderness vibe. Um, and so I, I don't know. How, how do you approach that when somebody's like, yeah, I want to get these pictures done. We want to go out somewhere beautiful. Like, how do you pick your places? What are you looking for at a location? Um, I'm guessing you're trying to find places that are fairly accessible, easy to get to. So I guess kind of, if, if somebody were to approach you about a possible photo shoot in the outdoors, I guess what would be your thought process behind that? Yeah, something that initially getting into portraiture was something because I saw the money in it. Mm-hmm. So people will pay for photos, so I started um, like working on being a portrait photographer, and luckily I had the help of having like. A model for a girlfriend and <laughs> Ben's little sister. Hey, that's my sister, man. <laughs> <laughs> my wife. But. Yeah, you got me. <laughs> but uh yeah, so initially she I, I would just take portraits of her and I eventually got better at that. And so then I was able to make money on it. And then what was nice was that I saw photos where it was a photographer had one location that they go to mm-hmm. and it was like a brick wall in like Idaho Falls or something like that. And you knew where, like you knew the brick wall. Yeah. And then it was like, 
every photographer knew the brick wall. Right. <laughs> and every, it was like three out of the four photos that they had was at this brick wall. But um, with my background in landscapes, I was able to, I knew where all the places were that were both easily accessible and beautiful and unique. So then mm. it was like, I, I was able to bring people to those places and say, and people had never heard of like some of the places I was taking them to, mm-hmm. but then the photos ended up being good. Cause I knew I'd been there enough that I knew the light will be blocked, but we'll still have ambient light. All the, all these different things that you yeah. need to know to make people look good in photos. Did you find that there was kind of a sense of your model or the person you're taking the portraits of would behave a little better because it's a cool location like they would kind of like perk up and get a little excited because they just went to a new place or is that just something i'm imagining in my head because i I see myself it's like somebody's like yeah we're gonna take some pictures of you ben oh yeah cool whatever i probably wouldn't be excited in the first place but if they took me to like some freaking awesome location that i'd never been to i feel like i'd be pretty pumped i don't know well and (laughs) and i think i guess the the other thing as part of that would be nobody else is gonna have a picture like mine yeah, you know, because yeah. like if everyone has the same brick wall, and then you know you call up Dax and he's like, "Oh, meet me at this undisclosed location <laughs> at these coordinates because there's no road," and then you meet him there and you're Bring like, "Holy your Mercedes. cow!" <laughs> yeah, and then it's like, "Oh, nobody, nobody will have this picture." So I guess that would be part of yeah. kind of tagging onto that question. Yeah. So have you seen that? Have you seen people kind of behave in that way? Yeah, uh, I I have seen that people. Um, They like having a unique photo. And I also, because I had a passion for where we were taking them, because I had a passion for the, for the locations, Mm -hmm. um, I really feel like I brought that to the photo shoots too, where I was excited and I wasn't like, because it wasn't my only source of income, those two out of the five days of the week, I was working at a potato warehouse, you know, (laughs) I, uh. Then your three sick days you're taking pictures. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but because I because I loved doing it, I brought that to the photo shoots. I wasn't dependent on it for my living, which I saw a lot of photographers got burnt out by oh another family photo or another yeah. senior shoot. Whereas for me, it was like someone wants me to do this. I'm yeah. so excited to do it. So that. Not only did the locations bring that excitement, but I brought that excitement and I brought like the, I want to take the photos of you. Like I want to, to give you something that you're happy with. And so, mm. and I, I, I really liked to have a conversation with the, with people while I was taking their photos because it, I was able to sense who they were and bring them into the photos too. Mm. Uh, like some some angles not only aren't flattering on some people or are flattering on others but also the location or how they are in relationship to the space around them is another way that you can is um it's kind of like it brings a lot out of them or diminishes right who they are yeah yeah that's cool. So from like a photographer standpoint, this doesn't have to do with the outdoors, I guess. You said like your excitement would kind of help the photo shoot go along. I'm guessing that applies pretty regularly, you know, like your attitude 
your confidence um, or your demeanor kind of reflects in your subjects? Would you would you see that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also the knowing the locations helps with that too. Because if we got to a place, if we got to a forested area, and all of a sudden I say, "Oh man, we don't have enough light in here." There, I thought there was enough light coming through these trees, but actually there's not. That really puts a damper on on a photo shoot but if i have the confidence of knowing this is going to work out well Mm -hmm. then that helps a lot too and people feel at ease if if there's someone who they think knows knows something about what they're doing yeah so so applying that to outdoor photography do you see that in your pictures it is kind of i don't know transfuse your your emotion your viewpoint of a certain area do you feel like that reflects in your pictures like, do you go through periods of your life where you're like, you know, your your delinquent days, you say, do you feel like there's a certain style with your pictures compared to like maybe what you're taking now? Do you feel like that changes over time, like kind of your attitude or your your emotional state? I don't know. Yeah, for sure. If if I don't like a place, uh, I can't, I can't like, or if I'm busy or thinking about other things, I can't take a good photo. Interesting. It's like, like right now I'm in the middle of school and I'm focused on getting good grades in chemistry and my geology classes. And it's like, I haven't taken a good photo in, in a long time. And I've been out, but I haven't. It's just like... It hasn't been one that you, just like you are super excited about that picture. Because mm-hmm. it takes some preparation and some knowledge. Like I've, I've gone 55 on a dirt road in order to... Because I know the sun is setting behind these mountains on the other side of this ridge and I just need to get there. Mm. And it's it's those photos that it brings out the location and my state of mind bring out the best in the photos where I see the I see the beautiful things and I see how they need to be composed. And it's something that is really, really dependent on my mood. Huh. Yeah. That's that's, that's kinda of cool. So um I guess now that you've gotten into taking portraits and taking like, you know, making money doing pictures, how much of your time do you think is split between just doing like, you know, your passion of landscapes and how much time is spent doing like paid photography? Hmm. Uh, COVID killed everything. (laughs) COVID probably killed. Yeah. It's hard to take good portraits with a mask on. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, before that, uh, I really got into portraiture. It, it was easy to get into because I met people, and that was really fun to, to get to know new people. But landscapes are really exciting to me now because I know a lot about the landscapes that I'm taking photos of. Uh, with my geology courses that I'm taking now, it's like I can, I can understand the history of the rocks that I'm looking at or taking photos of. And so I'm excited to get back out and do that again uh, when the when the spring and summer come around because that really is exciting. It has a new level of excitement because right. not only is it beautiful, but it tells a story as well. Just the deeper understanding adds a different layer. That's kind of cool, though. So you you talked about you really got into to portraits. I remember, I don't know if it was like an official project that you were working on, but you took some really, really interesting portraits of like some of the people that you worked with. Um, you want to speak a little bit to that? Like, I, I don't know the full story on that, but you had done like this kind of project and you were like, 
taking certain pictures of these these Hispanic workers that you were working with, and beautiful, beautiful pictures. Like the detail on them, it's just incredible. So you mm-hmm. want to speak to that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. That was a really, really fun part of my life because that was. I was working just a terrible job, but I was finding these people who were just wonderful. So, so I worked with not only um, migrant workers but also with inmates. Uh, there was a there was a prison in St. Anthony, just a small town about 15 minutes away from where I grew up, and they had like a work camp, mm-hmm. and so the warehouse would hire these people for like 13 cents an hour or something crazy like that. So they could buy their coffee and cigarettes. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. And so then they would they would come down every day in a bus, and I took some, I think they were ele- it was illegal for me to take photos of them, but I did it anyway. And Delinquent days. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. This was so long ago, he can't be charged for it. Yeah. <laughs> he was statute under 18. Of, statute of limitations or whatever. But uh, I... I took these photos, and these people just had a, an incredible effect on me because I grew up in an area that was just all the same people. It's like I grew up in a very Christian town mm-hmm. that everyone looked the same, acted the same, went to the same school, went to the same church. Right. That suddenly meeting people who were in prison was yeah. was a really good experience for me because I saw these people are good people who made bad decisions and even the worst of the worst people in there, which none of them were, they all had to be like nonviolent offenders, which I'm sure skewed the perception (laughs) a little bit, but still it was like these people who before meeting them, I would have thought anyone in prison is a bad person, Mm -hmm. uh, changed my perspective and helped me to, I had a desire to photograph them to show everyone else that these people were like normal people. Yeah. Right. Cause it was a, it was a perspective that to me was totally unique. Um, I, I was able to take photos of these people and they, the people who had at that point, the greatest effect on me where these people were working every day. I heard stories of them. Like I'm sending money home to my daughter the money that I make, or I'm saving up so that when I get out, I can, and there was always a lofty goal. It was 13 cents an hour or whatever they were making, but they were, they were putting that money to something that they were truly like passionate and that they truly loved. And so it was, it was cool to see that. And so I was able to, to after work, they'd run out and like throw paper bags in the garbage and so I'd follow them out with a film camera because I thought, I can't take it on digital because digital, they might confiscate it and delete it. So I was taking all these film photos of these people and I only got like five or six of them before I got freaked out that I was going to go to jail. But <laughs> <laughs> I, it, they're really... And your pay would drop to 13 cents an hour. Exactly. Yeah. But the rest of your life would basically be the same. Yeah. And then I'd have to go to work five days a week instead of the two that I was going to <laughs> No sick common days. theme. <laughs> common theme. <laughs> no, but then I, I was not only able to get these photos, but I have... In my phone, in a note, my phone, I have each of these guys' stories. 
uh, just oh, things cool. that they told me throughout. And I haven't shared those because I, I don't know. I'm still paranoid. But yeah. <laughs> I do... I do look back on those photos and the, the effect that those people had on my lives or mm. on my life and um, just the, the heart, the work ethic that they taught me. And also that they, they taught me like make good decisions yeah. where it's like getting stuck in. I, I heard so often, like I made this wrong decision, which led me to this one. And that was, that was a good lesson for me to learn, especially at that impressionable time in my life to, to really make those right decisions so that I don't end up slowly going down the the road that mm -hmm, and being that good person who made the wrong decision. Right. Well, maybe I shouldn't have brought that up because uh, it's kind of a top secret little project you're doing. (laughs) I didn't know that it was illegal. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, We're, we're going to try to share as many of these pictures as we can. Probably not these ones per se, but well, and I guess uh, like, maybe this is just a good time for you to do a plug. Like if you've got an Instagram page or something that people can go and look at your work, um, or if you have a website, whatever it is, um, go ahead and just do a plug right now so that we can get anybody who's interested in looking at your stuff. Um, I think it'd be worth, you know, having that on the episode. Yeah. So just, uh, my Instagram is at Dax Harris, D A X H A R R I S. And you can go there and see stuff I've taken. Most of it recently is like portraits, but if you go down, a little bit further, you can you can find those photos of mainly Hebgen Lake. That's <laughs> that's kind of eighty percent of those photos. But yeah, that's awesome. Uh, we're gonna k- take a quick break right here. We're gonna kind of keep that consistency with our episode length. So this is gonna end part one of this episode. Uh, we're gonna collect our thoughts and everything, and then uh, we will have a part two following this shortly. So thanks for listening, guys. Tune into part two of this episode, and we will talk to you soon. <laughs>